a shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Off night in the National Hockey League. In case you're wondering, the Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche are not required to play the final three games of their best-of-seven series because the Avalanche won the first four and closed it out and are back into the Stanley Cup final for the first time in 20 years, and they're sitting back and they're loving what's happening between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh, that series will go at least six games, and there's some attrition along the way with those clubs. So uh, Colorado gets an opportunity to lick its wounds and heal up a little bit as ta they watch uh, Tampa Bay come back and even that set at two wins apiece. A 4-1 win last night by Tampa, and it's all even. Do you feel totally Tampa Bay's side of it like you did the New York Rangers uh, side when they left Madison Square Garden. Um, well, I, I never, I never felt like it was in the bag for the New York Rangers. Like there was a lot to like about the first two games. The fact that they were able to beat the Lightning back to back for the first time in what seems like uh, forever for the Lightning to lose back to back games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But eighteen the fact games. The matter is right now. Yeah, right now it it feels. An awful lot like the Tampa Bay Lightning have the New York Rangers figured out. It feels an awful lot like this team winning four straight games and making their way to a third consecutive Stanley Cup final. Except now the series goes back to MSG, which changes everything when it comes to the New York Rangers. And I'm not kidding here. This is not hyperbole. The New York Rangers <laughs> well, at, at, at home are a totally different uh -huh. team than on the road. They have lost. They're into the third round. Remember that. The Eastern Conference Final. Mm -hmm. Halfway, more than halfway through. They have lost one game at MSG the entire postseason, mm -hmm. and that was a 12-overtime loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on game number one of uh, the first round. Since then, they've been perfect. So it's... At MSG, they're uh, an absolute beast, and on the road, mm -hmm. they've lost five of the last six. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to believe, given the fact that I predicted the Rangers would win this series, I'd like to believe that they'll hold serve at home and that they'll go to Tampa in Game 6 with an opportunity to close out the series. But I, I'm kind of at that point where I feel like I'm defeated by the Tampa Bay Lightning because every time you think that this team is, is kind of you know dead to rights, they, they find a way to, to prove to you that they just know how to battle through adversity. So I, 
I'd like to believe that the Rangers have juice in this one still, but it's it's becoming more and more difficult to justify it given what Tampa's been able to do. Kucherov and Stamkos have cranked it up. They've been really good all the way along, but they've uh, they've cranked it up uh, the last couple of games, and Vasilevsky uh, has been uh, the, the best player uh, in both games in Tampa Bay. So how do you view this series right now? Is it is it even? Or does one team over the other have have an edge, knowing that four of the seven games are scheduled at Madison Square Garden, which should give the Rangers an advantage based on their play at home? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I view this the same way that I viewed Toronto, Tampa in the first round. If the Rangers are able to win game five if they're able to get a 3-2 series lead over the tampa bay lightning then they have to close it out in six even though game seven will be back at madison square garden i don't think that you can beat tampa two games in a row to close them out i just don't think that that's in that team's dna so uh so much hinges on game number five i think that tampa can win the series regardless of losing game five I, I don't feel the same about the New York Rangers. I think if the Rangers lose game five, it's a six-game series and Tampa's back in the Stanley Cup final. I love John Cooper's line last night after the game and the 4-1 victory, saying we've progressively gotten better, uh, adding that uh, we, we took uh, another couple of steps tonight. Uh, we had a bit of a layoff. We know about that. And, and now that they're starting to find their game and they have to keep it going in New York, I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons – Beyond just the track record of the the Tampa Bay Lightning to feel confident in where the bolts are right now, and maybe maybe it's experience uh, being able to uh, control things after dropping uh, the the two opening games at MSG. Maybe it's just pure talent that's taking over. Maybe it's the line matchups of having the last change. There has to be something in that that teams are able to match up against the New York Rangers uh, when the Rangers are on the road. And that, that's on those players, quite honestly. Uh, if if mm. Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh, and now Tampa Bay are shutting you down on the road, the the coach can't do pull miracles, can't make you disappear and then appear uh, the next shift. You've got you've to find a way to do that on your own, battle through that. So uh, I, I don't know what it is beyond atmosphere or personnel, but the Tampa Bay Lightning have that feeling about them right now where they're going pretty darn good. Well, and let's, I mean, you know, let's look at it and, and kind of call it as it is. The The Tampa Bay Lightning were the better team in game number three, but the fact of the matter is the New York Rangers had a really good chance to get that three games to none lead. They were up 2-1 to one in that game going into the third period. You've got to give a lot of credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning for battling back. That's not a gimme game for Tampa. They still found a way in the end. But, you know, to me, like, I look at, the fact that the New York Rangers are starting to get a bit banged up. You you go without Ryan Strom, he gets hurt in game number three, can't go in game number four. Philip Heedle can't yeah. go or can't complete game number four. All of a sudden you're down two of your forwards and, and you're you know, you're not the deeper team already in the series that becomes really difficult it's not really that surprising to me that the rangers had no answer offensively but you 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 look at this series particularly what's been different andre vasilevsky's been inhuman at home that's really the difference in this series for me 
Yeah, it's the same as Shesterkin was at MSG, mm-hmm. where your yeah. jaw is down and your mouth is wide open going, how did he do that? But from a, a performance standpoint as a team, uh, the New York Rangers better win game five. <laughs> because uh, and they, they won game seven against Carolina. It was a key one. But I don't like... If if you if you do end up dropping that game at home, you're in a boatload of trouble uh, against the the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning squad. Can we just acknowledge it right now? The big rig mm. gets it done. Yeah. Like all he does is score big goals yeah. in, in Patrick Maroon. Yeah, I mean, like you don't you don't you, like you're not on the on the precipice of winning four straight Stanley Cups as an individual player without having a knack for big moments. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be in the lineup. If you didn't, you wouldn't have teams that are right there trying to win, employ your services when it matters most. And for whatever reason, the bigger the stage, the bigger the moment, the the key goals that you get within a series that kind of change momentum or get you over the hump – Pat Maroon's been in the middle of quite a few of them, not just for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but also the St. Louis Blues. Is he the best in the league at his role? And I don't think he's the best fighter, but he can score and he can play and he accepts his role. And uh, a lot of people can do a couple of those things, but you don't necessarily run the table. And, I'm really curious, and he's he's found a coach that he's comfortable with, had him in, in, in junior hockey, uh, and, and knows exactly what's going on. But he is allowed to display that He's allowed to get involved physically, uh, doesn't necessarily take he, – he's, he's reined in the uh, inconsistency with penalties, and then is able to put goals away. He played with Corey Perry – and Ryan Getzlav at the height of Getzlav and Perry in Anaheim. He was, yep. he, and he wasn't riding shotgun with them. He was really good with them. Uh, and now uh, now he and Perry have been back together at times uh, this year. He actually told me that Perry now has joined his line, uh, not him uh, playing with Perry <laughs> like in Anaheim. Uh, Perry has joined his line in, in, in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. But I, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to rattle my brain on who's better at, at doing all of that as a fourth-line player and, and including the production. Yeah, I, I don't think that, that anyone is. I, I think Pat Maroon is the perfect role player if you were going to design one. Again, he's he's able to be physical. He's able to take what the game gives him with that kind of stuff. You, you know, you, you, you kind of go back to... Uh, game one or game two, I think it was with Ryan Reeves and just yeah. the the I'm here, I'm going to stir things up. We're losing this game, but it's still going to be a long series. He's able to get that aspect on on display, and then he scores big goals. Like it was important for Tampa to come out and score first in game four, and it's Pat Maroon doing that, and he's been able to do it throughout his career. He's been able to do it in the playoffs a lot, and the fact of the matter is. Like, he just knows how to be agitating, frustrating, annoying, and still really good and able to put the puck in the back of the net. Like, he is a perfect combination of what you want 
on your fourth line, especially in the playoffs. When this series moved to Tampa Bay, the Bolts had lost two in a row in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in going back uh, to before their, their first championship uh, of their back-to-back. 18 games uh, was the winning streak up until uh, they lost game two. Where was your comfort level with the New York Rangers? If you put it at 100%, they got this to zero. Uh, there's no way they're going to be able to keep this going. Um, I I thought that you know I was I was kind of like seventy thirty like I I felt like going into Game Three that was the perfect storm for the New York Rangers. You had Tampa reeling; they didn't play particularly well in the first two games. The, it was the first time in eighteen opportunities that they have lost back to back games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The last time that they lost back to back games, they ended up getting swept by Columbus. I felt like you had a a fragile for the moment, Tampa team, and if you could take advantage of it, it's it's seventy thirty. It's it's a really good spot for the New York Rangers, but they squandered that opportunity in Game Three, and they didn't really show up in Game Four. Have you uh, taken a good hard look at the Tampa Bay roster? And I ask you that with this with this thought process in mind. Like, how many guys on that roster haven't won? Where Tampa's looking for a third straight championship, but there's mm-hmm. a few players who have joined the team this year and are looking for their first title, which means a whole heck of a lot to those guys. One of the great things uh, that, I, that I heard uh, uh, from a player was, uh, I thought after I won one that the, the desire wouldn't be there as much to win another one. Because I got over the hump, but you you really do you want to you want to lock it in and you want to win that next one and you want to win that next one. Uh, this is uh, this is unique because of the salary cap. There's been turnover with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure. Uh, the New York Islanders, when they won their four in a row, there was a massive amount of that roster that stayed intact for all four. Like a, a mm-hmm. very you you wouldn't believe. It. I think it was like 17 players, 16 players were there for all four cups. Uh, this is very different. There's that core group that's been around mm-hmm. for the first two cups, but interspersed, you've got a, a couple players with one, and you've got a few players looking for their, their first. And that, I, I think we underestimate the impact of those guys looking for their first cup and being a significant number of those guys on the team and important players on the team trying to do that, or first cup with Tampa Bay. Well, it's it's funny because, you know, like the, the mind immediately goes to Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are two guys that come, become front of mind for me. And what made Tampa Bay a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion? It was the ability to play Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. And I think that Nick Paul... Brandon Hagel, those two guys were brought in as a proxy for Blake Coleman and for Barkley Goodrow, and so far, they're passing the test. They are coming through with big moments, big big goals, key key uh, plays within this, this playoff run, and I think the ability to, to bring those guys in, but also have them hungry because they want to keep this stretch going for the Tampa Bay Lightning so that they can put their name on the Stanley Cup, I think it's important. Obviously, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, he's That's the one. first. Corey Perry, yeah. 
Corey Perry got one early on in his career, but once you get that first one, you always want the next one. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Hagel, Nick Paul, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who's been playing a long time and, and has arguably his best crack at it since going first year with the Vegas Golden Knights, like those players are going to be important to keeping this this Tampa Bay Lightning team hungry for a three-peat. I think that it, it turns into that a little bit where you want to win for those guys because they mm-hmm. they have to listen to all the Stanley Cup stories and and the tales sure. of celebration and and they, everybody loves that but they weren't a part of it they were part of the banner raising ceremony in some cases uh yeah. not uh, not Hagel because he was acquired mid-season but a, a lot of these guys were there when they raised that second championship banner but they weren't part of it so they're kind of on the outside a little bit. They're really trying to become part of the club. And when you've got a quarter of your roster trying to join the club, I think it makes a, a, a pretty good argument to trying to win for those guys. Brian Elliott, the goaltender, uh, joined the team uh, this mm-hmm. year, so they, they've changed things over uh, on that front. Now, Elliott's going to be like the other backups, uh, Curtis McElhaney. Uh, <laughs> not going to play in the playoffs, but still going to get sure. his, his, his ring. Uh, the blossoming of mm-hmm. Cal Foote uh, it, with this team becoming a, a regular player, trying to be part of this, part of the dynasty. Uh, uh, with uh, with his his uh, focus and and determination, I think it's it's an underlying story about this Tampa Bay Lightning being able to keep it going. Yeah, I I I think you're spot on there, Darren. In that you you have to have at some point a little bit of that turnover to to kind of have those guys that that want to experience it for the first time and and you you know you know the hunger of the guys that have already won it but you know to me and you know i i could be way off base here but i feel like there's been enough talk about the last two stanley cup championships the fact that there was a bubble with no fans the fact that it was a weird season a shortened season last year this is an opportunity for the core of the tampa bay lightning to win a traditional Stanley Cup to win an 82-game season and a traditional playoff run. And I think that that looms the largest when it comes to motivating factors for this club to get back to their third straight Stanley Cup final. If Tampa Bay can do it, does Mm -hmm. this make them more impressive if they can get back to to the Stanley Cup final and challenge for a championship? Because of the bubble, because of the shortened season during COVID, and then a full regular season on uh, the tail end of COVID, or we remain in the midst of it in some cases, or does it take some of the shine off it? No, I mean, I I think that it, it makes them even more impressive because the last two years have been incredibly difficult for a lot of people. And, you know, navigating all the challenges, all the difference of your schedule, right? You're, you're playing hockey in the middle of summer and you find a way, and then there's uncertainty with an off season. Then you've got a really wonky 56 game schedule where you're only playing the same eight teams. And all of a sudden, when you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, you're playing teams you'd never played that year. Like that was a challenging two Stanley cups to win. But I think, 
what motivates this Lightning team is to do it under as close to normal circumstances as possible. Because I think if they get one in a full 82-game schedule, if they get one with a traditional four-round, as-it-should-be Stanley Cup playoffs, then there's nothing you can look at, there's no metric you can use to devalue the three Stanley Cups that this team won. There will be people that do, though. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be because each one proved the unique challenge, right? Like each one was was different and difficult to win on its own. And if you stack all three of those, if you change the parameters by by the way by how you complete a season, how you go through the playoffs, and yet the same team is the one that's able to navigate that the best three years in a row, you can't take that away from them. You can't look at that as anything other than a great achievement that no team's ever going to come close to coming through with again. I don't know what is the primary reason for them to be able to do that. Uh, honestly, the, the, the bubble was, was unique. And I will say a lot of people believe that changing rinks halfway through uh, that, that bubble mm-hmm gave the Eastern Conference a bit of an advantage. Just breaking up the monotony uh, of, of that sure. playoffs. Remember, Tampa, the East started in Toronto and then moved over to uh, to Edmonton. Uh, so th- there there was that part where, where people do believe that uh, getting out of their normal surroundings and just shaking things up and not being in the courtyard of, of Rogers Place for uh, two months uh, made an impact. But I, I, I don't know what what the highlight is of the Tampa Bay Lightning that's allowed them to win in a bubble, win in a shortened season, and then contend in in a full season. I I mean I I think it I think it's Andre Vasilevsky. I, I think it's a core that that had different reasons to to find different ways each season. Like you know the bubble, Steven Stamkos didn't get to play, right? So like you you look at what Braden Point was able to do, Nikita Kucherov was able to do in the bubble. I think the fact that there were no fans in the building probably helped Tampa because they were coming out of uh, one of the worst losses that that franchise has ever had in the playoffs against Columbus. They had to go and beat Columbus in that first round. They had to find a way, but uh, you know, you have to manufacture your own thing in the bubble. It was such a strange, different experience. But then you come back next season, and things are different. Things are not what they're supposed to be in a regular season. And now you have Steven Stamkos out there trying to go through, for him, a normal playoff run. And and you kind of had, even though he was a champion, even though he had his moment in the bubble, it was his first taste of getting through an entire playoff run and winning it all at the end. And I think that that was important in the same way you're talking about, you know, Pierre-Edward Belmar in this context and Brandon Hagel in this context and Nick Paul, like those guys chasing their first one, even though Stamkos won it the year prior, it was almost like he was chasing his first one when they won their second. That's fair. And Kucherov not playing all year. He was hungry when he mm-hmm. came back. Uh, last year yep. for the for the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, this time around they they kind of had a like a, a normal year. There was none of of that. Yeah, uh, and they they just went went through it on a on a fairly traditional route. One one area that uh, that will always receive a bottom note with the Tampa Bay Lightning and this potential dynasty 
One, two in a row, trying to become the, the first team since the New York Islanders in the early 80s to win three Stanley Cups. Is It's very rare that a team on the edge of breaking through will make a major change that isn't the coach. If you make a change that the coach, teams have broken through and won. Tampa didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They stayed static. But their general manager did make a change. And Steve Eisenman left. Like, he voluntarily left and went to yeah. the Detroit Red Wings. Do you yeah. think Stevie Y has any regret at all? Or do you think Stevie Y's departure, because of what's happened, uh, opened the door to be a, a little more creative or maybe a little more conservative? Um. That's a really good question, and I I don't I'm going to tackle regrets. I, I mean, I'm human, so I would right like I'd have FOMO, bad if I left and all of a sudden you've you've got a team that's on the the cusp of three straight Stanley Cup finals and potentially three straight Stanley Cups. Like I would regret that for sure, but I, I don't think that Steve Eiserman and I are built the same way. Like he won as a player, I'm sure he relished the opportunity obviously to go to Detroit and try to build that into what Tampa Bay is today and if he gets there and he's able to do that that success is going to be incredibly awesome for him so I don't know that Steve Eiserman has the same type of regrets that I would in that situation but I'm telling you right now I'd be sour like I'd be salty I'd be pissed off because I would love to to have my fingerprints and my name all over what Tampa's doing right now uh, as far as you know the the change Julian Breezebois has been phenomenal. Like he has given up a lot of assets to make sure that this club has what they need on the ice and to make sure that John Cooper has what he needs in order to win hockey games. And it's worked. Every single decision, it seems, that Julian Breezebois has made in terms of player personnel and who he's bringing into this team has paid dividends. Barkley Goodrow paid dividends. Blake Coleman paid dividends. Right now, those replacements that he brought in with those guys Patrick Maroon. phased out. Yeah, Patrick Maroon paying dividends. Like I, I, I it's it as much as Steve Eiserman was the architect of what this team is right now, Julian Breezebois is the reason that they have won back to back Stanley Cups. We don't talk about Julian Breezebois enough. No, we don't. We don't they, and, and you, you, you we we don't because we want to give credit to Steve Eiserman for this team. Right? Like well, Eisenman was Eisenman was the general manager of the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Lightning mm-hmm. for eight years, and he took over the team when it was in chaos. Like it was sure, uh, like really uh, unsettling with what was going on in and around the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time. And gradually through draft and develop, and it it took a while, but yeah. they got to a Stanley Cup final in 2015 and have been to the to the Stanley Cup final four years or six years. Yeah, and, and, and I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Eiserman at all. What I'm saying is how often when when you know Tampa won in the bubble and, and when Tampa won you know last season, how many times do we hear Steve Eiserman, the architect, and then Julian Brisebois is mentioned after the fact? Like it, to me, we don't give him enough credit because there have been some big swings, right? Like when you give up a first round pick for Barkley Goodrow, a lot of people shaking their head. But how 
massive was that move in allowing Tampa to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? It was huge. It was huge. So there, there were risks that he took as a general manager, but he assessed what his team was, and he went out and made the right decisions. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in that we don't talk about how good of a job he's done enough uh, when it comes to Tampa. But, I mean, Steve Eisman is still the architect. He is. I, I, I don't disagree, but I, I like. I, I'm, I'm just trying to Julian come up with a, a, a title for Breezebois, because I think, I, I think Eisenman is the ar- architect. He's the reason they won. Like he's the one that pulled the trigger on all the deals that that made this team a winner, that put them over the top. Like you can't, you can't give that to Steve Eisenman. You can, you can give him the core. You can give him the players that dra- that they drafted and developed, and the players that have have really come through for this organization. But do the Tampa Bay Lightning win those two Stanley Cups without the moves Breeze Bois made? No, I don't think so. I I don't know to be honest. Like Ryan McDonough, uh, Andre, he drafted Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, uh, worked through the. Uh, uh, situation uh, with the with the young forward traded to 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 Montreal, uh, and and that for Sergachev like that that was a huge yeah. deal. Uh, so much of the fingerprints of Eisman are on this that I I still think he's the architect. But I uh, in the same vein I feel like we overshadow Julian Breezeball, and I'm trying to come up with a way to balance that out a little bit. Yeah, and and I think I think that's my biggest issue is that. It is overshadowed, right? Like I, I think that there's more. I don't want to say praise, but there's more lead time for Steve Eiserman when Tampa wins Stanley Cups than there is for Julian Breezebois, and to me, that just doesn't feel right. Well, it's easy to talk about Eiserman too, because we all sure. want we all want to mention the the Hall of Famer's name. So that mm-hmm. that's huge. Like John, Jonathan Duran, when they went to the 2015 Stanley Cup Final. He was one of the big talking points of that series was Duran not playing, uh, being in and out of the lineup. And what? why is John Cooper doing this? And how do they handle this? And it was Eisman that went down and, and talked to Duran and, and calmed him down, uh, but also made it work. And then... Uh, uh, with with the the deal with with Montreal and and got uh, Mikhail Sergachev uh, and and ma- walk that that balance like it was Duran who was supposed to be the core of a any type of dynasty with the Tampa Bay Lightning along with Stamkos and Hedman and uh, and Ben Bishop at the time not Vasilevsky <laughs> yeah uh, and 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 not Sergachev so they. He did that, and I think that's paid huge dividends. Uh, and and I mentioned the uh, McDonough uh, acquisition, which strengthens your blue line, and, and it's a very uh, high-profile decision and transaction at the time too, acquiring the uh, captain of of the New York Rangers. Uh, and so the the a lot of this is on uh, uh, Steve Eisman. Now I should mention he he didn't draft Stamkos. Like he was already there uh, uh, be, be, before, be, before Steve Eisman. Uh, I won't give him credit for for that one, but uh, uh, it's it's a it's a duel, and, and both championships have been won under Breezeball, both, and now a potential yeah. potential third. And while coaching teams have won 
cups with a, a last minute change as a coach or before the season as a coach uh, as, as a uh, as a different voice or a different message that's happened all the time I that nothing mm-hmm. but but not usually the coach stays the managers change and you get better and more confident yeah it, it it's confounding but you know trying to much praise or or how much responsibility Breezebois or Iserman have on this team and and them winning Stanley Cups is is an interesting thought process because like yeah. you mentioned some of those moves they don't win without those moves but again like I I don't believe they win without Coleman and Goodrow I, I just I just don't and so you know it, it, it's hard to weight the importance of each guy and what they brought to the table with this organization that led them to winning. It's it's impossible. And the best move was moving on from Ben Bishop, trading him at the deadline to the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Kings. He was their franchise yep. goalie. He took them to that uh, that final with this group, the first final with this group, and and he was like the stud. And they moved on uh, from him and handed the ball to Andre Vasilevsky. No-brainer now, but at the time you're like, Okay, yeah. that's that's chancy. Uh, we'll see what uh, what happens there. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll get back to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers because it is a bizarre series, ladies and gentlemen. The home team has won every game, and the coach of the New York Rangers is perfectly happy with that. Jared Glenn said, it's a homer series. Hope it stays that way because they've got the extra game at home. I <laughs> uh, love that uh, the idea of uh, being flattered honest uh, continues. Well, we're, we're good. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche uh, await. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, have revealed some of the injuries that they dealt with as they have been bounced from the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll get into that. Plus the play of the day and one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. It's a two-hour edition of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. What's your motivation here? Well, I besmirched the great name of Celine Dion yesterday, so yeah. I, I felt bad. In case she does listen to the show. So now you know, you're going to talk all over her vocals. Ta- and now you're talking all over it. Well, it's a terrible song, so I could talk all over it. The, well, that, the, I'm, I'm glad that you've really done a great job of making amends <laughs> with her by insulting her again and then talking all over the yep. vocals. See, that was my motivation, though. Mm-hmm. I could pretend so really like you I had was, no intention of making it good. I, I could pretend like I was extending the olive branch to my heart will go on and then, well, talk all over it. Did I ever tell you guys I've been to Chapman, her, what? her house? Have you really? Yeah. That's nice. incredible. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I drove by it. <laughs> oh, I does, does that count? There. Does that count as, as being? No, to it doesn't it? count. Like, I knew she lived there. <laughs> I, I know yeah. she lives there, and I drove by the house. Sure. And I'm. Was, like, that to me was this here means or in, that. Here. In oh, that, that, that borders oh, okay. on stalking. No. no I, okay. Going um, somewhere else. You can't. But you I knew can't it was her say, house. Well, you haven't been to her house. You've been by her house. You've creeped her house, but you haven't been to her house. <laughs> creeped her house. <laughs> I think that's like, semantics. What you just said, Darren. No, no, no. What you just said is more offensive than Chapman. No. Have you ever ever driven by somebody famous and go, they, they live there? Hey, you know what? 
No, Millard I, lives there. No, because I, mean, I don't make it a habit of knowing where famous people live. People tell you. No, no, no it's not people even tell that. You things. It's not even that. Listen, I just if I drove by a celebrity's house, I wouldn't say, "Yeah, I've been there." Like hmm. I've been to their house. It's, yeah, it's, wow. the, you're you're alluding to something that isn't real. Like to me, those Hollywood star tours were drive by the house of. You ever been on one of those? No, I think I think it's creepy. I think you would be classic. No, absolutely on not. one of those tours. No, I I wouldn't go on one. Oh, I see you with the camera around your neck, <laughs> binoculars <laughs> underneath the camera. Oh my gosh, sunglasses. Don't the fanny pack. Yes, oh, you oh, got I have the a fanny pack. Yeah, the Hawaiian church, the church <laughs> shirt, the the fanny pack, and the big bucket hat. Yep. Yes. Oh, I have multiple bucket hats. Yeah. Yes. I think you would fit in like a glove I, on, I, on one no, of those Hollywood I, I, tours. I think it's creepy. Why? Because, I mean, like. It's weird. What, yeah, like, like, I mean, I, I, I think famous people are cool, but, like, I don't need to go by their house. How different is that than the HOA <laughs> pulling up to your house and taking pictures of your weeds on a random Thursday, and then you get a, a, a letter in the mail with a picture a week later? Mm-hmm. Like that creeps me out that somebody's driving around my neighborhood, yeah. taking pictures of my house. We had we had someone tell us we didn't have enough trees. We cut down a tree, yeah, I didn't because it was like leaning over, and yeah. if it fell, it would fall in the house. Yeah. And like a week later, we got a letter. Yeah, if you don't if you don't plant another tree, we're gonna put a lean. I'm like, okay, guys, calm down. It's been a week. And th- with a picture, yes, of, of the yes. missing tree. Yes. See that 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 bothers me and makes me uncomfortable way more. Than a a sitting tour or somebody famous mm-hmm. and everybody knowing that somebody famous lives there and you drive like I didn't I didn't stop in front of the house I didn't do anything well, like right. that I looked over it, and was told weird. Celine Dion lives there so that was that was mm-hmm. cool but the the HOA stuff bothered me way more right <laughs> well one it bothers you because they're threatening you with a fine two it bothers you because it's happening to you and your privacy is being infringed upon and three you're the one doing the infringing upon the celebrities, so that's why it doesn't bother you in that context. But where, where I live, also at, for no HOA. At at the oh yeah, you don't have one. Uh, at the rental that I first lived at here, we had a uh, basketball hoop that was kind of tucked in the side, and uh, they took a picture of that as one of my cats walked across the the garage door driveway. Like, what if that was one of my kids? That's freaky. That's creepy, man. I don't like it. I'm and with yet, you on that. You are advocating. No, no, hold on. And yet you're advocating for celebrity tours where people, like hundreds of people, are going out and seeing all these different celebrities' houses, but you can't handle the HOA taking a picture of yours? I can't. you knowingly understand and recognize that per your contract with the HOA that they're going to be doing that? I guarantee you John Bon Jovi has a little bit of uh, space between his gate and his his front door. All right? (laughs) I'm that's, just tell you that. that's a random name to throw out. I guarantee you that. I had to think yeah, of somebody. I didn't want Talk to just about go a celebrity, Darren. I think Harrison Ford has a little bit more privacy built in. All right? <laughs> than I do. I'm just saying that. Amazing. Although Celine does have a you, well, great house. Yeah. It's uh it's Amazing. fantastic. Uh want to get into that, some that of the you've uh, been to? That I've been to. Been by, mm-hmm. yeah. Been by Canadian. I dropped a uh, five five dollar Canadian bill there drove just uh, to make everybody a toonie and a loony. Uh, drove mm-hmm. drove past, uh, which uh, you guys both owe me, uh, and I will collect. Uh, we've got. Wait, what uh, do I owe you a toonie for? Oh yeah, yeah. What no, I'll get. You, what do I'll get, you for? I think you owe Ryan a toonie. I'll isn't get it? into it during the commercial break, but you guys both owe me big money. 
Big money. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers had their locker clean-out day, uh, and we have some serious uh, explanations about why things turned as suddenly as they did uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. That's in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. We've got the play of the day coming up, and then a huge story coming out of Boston. Maybe it was just the tip of the iceberg with the change at head coach because one of the star players ain't very happy right now. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Tampa Bay Lightning rolling back into their series against the New York Rangers with a pair of wins down home in Florida. And now they go back to New York, uh, all even and a best of three. And they were on the board yesterday thanks to the big rig. Maroon lines for Belmar in the left wing to center ice. Cross a Zach Bogusian across the New York line to the right circle. Knifing in front! Shots he made! Mm. Maroon! Man, he got that puck just outside the lightning or the Ranger blue line and he made a move on the defenseman and then Maroon comes in on the defenseman and then Maroon came in and picked up the rebound and put a backhand on Braun. He made that. Yeah. And then Maroon put it in the backhand. That is the NHL Hall of Famer Phil Esposito, the analyst on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network uh, with Dave Michigan. That, uh, that's fun. Uh, third goal of the year for Patrick Maroon. So what's what I what I love about Pat Maroon, and we talked about it a little bit earlier about uh, his ability, right in in the in the playoffs to come up with with big time plays, big time moments, all of that type of stuff. But to me, with Pat Maroon, you look at the goal totals from his last three playoff appearances, and we'll include this one here. But in 2018-19, he scored three goals. Do you know how many of those three were game winners? Uh, a lot. He's he only scores big two, goals. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Two of the three were were game winners, and then in 2021, uh, 2020-21, he had two goals, one of which was a game winner. Like yeah. I know the goal totals aren't like outrageous, but they're big. When he scores, it either ends a series or it's a massive, massive game winner. For Pat Maroon, that's just what he does. I will say this. If you're talking personality in the game and growing in the game and being uh, more uh, out there and uh, uh, being a personality, he is the poster player for the National Hockey League. He gets it. Like He he absolutely yeah. buys in uh, when he does things. And I'll, I'll go back to that podcast that I did with him earlier on the Chirp uh, at some point this year. And we talked about the – because I got a tip that uh, his CarQuest commercial, he does those those CarQuest uh, spots. Mm-hmm. You've seen those. Uh, and he had some trouble with the, uh, with the lines. Like he kept fumbling his lines. And so we went in there. And he went on this tangent about the cue cards being uh, out of order or too small or whatever, and and uh, how everybody started giggling and then he couldn't get his composure. But it was one of those ones where, where you don't expect to go as a player, like our last segment talking about uh, HOAs. You, you kind of go down a rabbit hole, and he was outstanding. He, it wasn't just mm, typical player quotes and then move on or why are you going here. He was fully into it, and 
He does say uh, Jamie Alexiak uh, is called the Big Rig in Dallas. There's a couple of other ones uh, around the National Hockey League, and Patrick Maroon is uh, called the Big Rig. He is emphatic that he is the original and the one that is at the top of the mountain, a Big Rig mountain. Really? Yep. I want. I want to see. I want to see a debate between Pat Maroon and Jamie Alexiak uh, over the rights for having Tell you Big what, Rig as their nickname. I'll get Chapman to pull the sound of Big Rig talking about it uh, mm-hmm. in, in my conversation with it. It's fun. It's really cool at how passionate <laughs> he was about him being the Big Rig and everybody else is just following suit uh, and, and copying him. It's it's so much fun to, to hear a player that um, engaging, uh, and it's uh, it's so cool. And he's got a chance, ladies and gentlemen, to win four straight Stanley Cups. St. Louis, last two with Tampa Bay, and knocking on the door, uh, two wins away from uh, another Stanley Cup final appearance. One of the greatest runs in National Hockey League history. Hasn't happened since 1983 that somebody, a player, has won four straight Stanley happen with the uh, the core of the New York Islanders. When we continue, there is massive concern right now in Boston. Rumors around a star player potentially wanting out because he's not happy with upper management. If you were the GM, would you be shaken? Like, you made the change of coach this week, and now your star player is making noise. Uh, we'll deal with that uh, with the Bruins side of it. Plus, news and notes. So, one timers. Uh, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, got a couple of uh, cool things for you. And the Edmonton Oilers have come clean on all their injuries, and um, it's starting to become clear why the Oilers went out with such a whimper in the Western Conference final against the Colorado Avalanche. Chris Chapman, Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas with the VGK Insider Show on this Wednesday.